Let's talk about the Succeeding as a Management Consulting Retail Banking Book or Microfinance Book. Now, people don't like when I use this term, but I'll be quite honest about it. The books Succeeding as a Management Consultant are a labor of love. The amount of detail and the amount of effort that went into put those books together, when I think about it now, I honestly feel amazingly proud of what we did. I mean, we went in to a very complicated situation, Firms Consulting, picked a client that didn't have necessarily the resources to work with us, and put together this amazing strategy for them, right? And I had the opportunity to skim through the um, microfinance or retail banking material for succeeding for succeeding as a management consultant just a few days ago in preparation for this podcast and it's been about i think i think it's been almost two years since i last uh viewed the material and it's it's amazing what we did you know we did a couple of things different for this book because we wanted to really ramp up the quality of what we're putting together for one thing you notice that this book is written in a very different way. We went to a lot of trouble to to attack the problem or view the problem from multiple perspectives. You know, like any consulting team, when you arrive on the ground, you meet all of your stakeholders. You meet the government in this case, right? Because the client that we were helping, or the fictitious client in this case, was a government agency. Um, we 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 had to understand the viewpoint of the government, understand the viewpoint of the government agencies, understand the viewpoint of the bank, the shareholders of the bank, the companies with whom the banks work, the recipients of the loans, the children of the recipients of the loans, the communities of the recipients of the loans where they live. So one thing that we did in an amazing way is we went through a lot of trouble to put together this very vibrant and very detailed viewpoint from each perspective, aka shareholder. We conducted something like 150 different focus interviews when we put together this book alone. You know, we conducted, we spoke to everyone involved and we had this very detailed set of hypotheses in terms of how we were going to analyze the problem, right? So, very structured approach, very detailed approach, and the amount of information we collected for this book was pretty staggering, I think. And I'm particularly proud of the fact that when the Department of Trade and Industry in South Africa, the government body, um, the ministry responsible for handling microfinance, was doing their strategy session, they asked for firms consulting to make our material available to them and to talk them through our analysis. There is no greater... Um, uh, stamp of approval when the government body where you are setting your book and who's responsible for the sector that your book is analyzing wants you to provide expert testimony and that's what we were called up to do which is a major stamp of approval for us in terms of the way we did this analysis because 
one of the things we did here, which is very unusual, is that we, we tackle this very bottom up, you know, going out there, collecting the data, crunching the numbers, and we were very, very careful in the way we crunched our numbers, you know. In the first version, the mining book, the, the basic version, not the premium version, we, we, we weren't so careful with the analysis because we didn't have to be. Here, we were very careful. You know, when we constructed the data sets, we took real numbers from the different government agencies, we clean them up and we use them to build our models so that the models are 100% accurate for the South African economy but we made sufficient adjustments to build in some of the options and capabilities we wanted the models to test. For example, the South African government wasn't in the least bit interested about whether there was going to be what changes would occur in the sector if there was merging and consolidation amongst the major banks. They didn't even think about that. But what we said in the book is that if there's a scandal, it could cause consolidation. So let's design the model to look at what would be the fallout and share price, equity values, and so on, and what kind of capital the banks may need to raise. No one had even considered that. Our models looked at that out, and we modeled those kind of things. So the amount of detail that went into this is, is just mind-blowing, I think. You know, When I talk about these books, people always say, wow, Michael, you have so much emotion, because it is an emotional I initiative, right? We go in there, we know what's at stake, we know the kind of messages we're going to deliver are going to have an impact, because we're using real data, right? We're doing a full-scale study, four months on the ground, you know, working with South African MBA students, working with uh, clients in South Africa to help us collect the data, to check the information, to get some of the photographs we need, and so on. It's, it's, a, it's a full consulting study of the highest order of integrity, analytic rigor, and I think sincerity, and our job is to come up with the best possible answer. And when we did this study, we didn't actually have, obviously we had a client, which we cannot disclose, but we treated our client to be not the banks but South African consumers. So we said when we put together the final report, we're going to have to put together a final study which looks at how can we get microfinance loans to South African consumers, low-income consumers, in the most sustainable way so that they can, you know, find a way out of poverty. We traveled across some of the townships. Uh, you know, it's pretty sad to see some of the things that were happening there. You'd see, you know, it's, it's a horrible situation. I can't remember the names of all of these townships, but I think one was called Dipsloot or Deepsloot, and horrible conditions. You know, you we arrived there with security to make sure that you know nothing happened. You know, you don't want these foreign consultants arriving in the country with these fancy suits and laptops and not leaving. But one thing that really amazed me is that is the people were very friendly. It shocked me how friendly people were and how open they were to sharing um, information with us. And in designing the analysis, you know, we were very careful to think very carefully about picking a country that was representative of the issues that were being faced, you know. South Africa is a very representative country of places like Brazil, Russia, um, India, and so on, because you've got this massive dichotomy of a few wealthy people and a lot of poor people. The economy is fairly small, but a very established first world infrastructure, very established consulting culture. We went through a lot of trouble, I would think, a lot of depth in ensuring the richness of the data, the characters, and the storyline was 
correct you know the, you know in all of the premium books we've done that in the one set in mexico and so on we would get someone in mexico to make sure that the street names we had used were correct um, double check them because when we went into the country to do the study we don't know all of the details make sure that the way we described a setting in a bar was correct so extensive extensive amount of information there. The financial models we built in this book laid the groundwork for the future premium books. I mean, they were, I think that we tried to make them user-friendly, so we obviously designed them in such a way that we would want to use it. For example, when I was a consultant and I would be building models late into the night, sometimes, you know, two in the morning, one thing that always annoyed me is a lack of sleep and you're watching a bright screen your eyes start hurting and start watching so I we, we what we did is we, we black coded the models what that means is that the, the models have, don't have a white background they have a black background with light green text a little bit like the matrix so that when you're staring at a screen repeatedly you know um, your eye doesn't strain. That's probably the only giveaway if you're using the sort of client that firms consulting design these models we don't brand our material at all but if someone sees a black model with green lettering and green um, uh, code and so on that's a firm's consulting model that's how you know we design the model right the training videos we also ramped them up quite significantly here you know in a lot of the other models we've a lot of the other books we have training videos but they're not very high quality yeah we've gone for a very professional layout of the videos uh pro very professional styling where you can watch the video download the material attached to it and so on and we also spent I think an inordinate amount of time rewriting the storyline. You know, we could have very easily have done the analysis, uh, packaged this out, and just sent it out, and people would have bought it. But we didn't do that. It took us six months to do the initial setup of the of the book with the, all the videos and so on. But I wasn't happy with it, and I asked the team to go back and redo it. Which is why, even though the book is written in, in 2011 December, the material only came out, actually, I think it was around November, December of 2012. I mean, we released an earlier version, but we took it off the market so people know that you couldn't buy it because we weren't happy with the quality. So, when I say it's a labor of love, I do mean that. Where we went back and painstakingly made edits and changed things until we thought the storyline was really smooth it was really easy for people to follow things because you've got to understand that these premium books are far more complicated than the basic book the basic book being the mining and metals book about goldie you've got much more complex storylines here you've got infinitely more complex data you've got to understand i can assure you that this was designed for someone in the corporate finance teams of mckinsey and bcg unless you have that corporate finance background unless you are willing to understand corporate finance this is not going to appeal to you, right? This is pretty hardcore financial analysis or corporate finance strategy, right? It really, we wanted to design this for any McKinsey corporate finance team anywhere in the world doing a retail banking strategy. That was the objective we had in mind, to, to take them to the next level of creativity in the way they did the analysis. So a lot of the stuff we did, yeah, I think is pretty groundbreaking in the way we analyzed problems, in the way we segmented markets, in the way we built up our models to measure loan default rates. So and that's the other interesting. The models, the analysis, they do stuff that you cannot find anywhere. You cannot find a loan default model anywhere in the market to buy. So we didn't just go out there and build something that allowed us to, you know, shelve a book and sell it and call it, oh, we have a book out in the market. We didn't care about that. We wanted to 
take the time to build what we would want to see in the market, what we would have wanted to have used if we were, you know, uh, engagement managers and partners and so on. We wanted to build something that if an engagement team looks at this, they're not going to say, hey, okay, this confirms what I'm doing. No, they're going to say, hey, hold on a second. This is very interesting. I have not considered this way of analyzing the problem, and I haven't considered the implications. But more than that, by using real data, we've also created a database, a basis for benchmarking performance here. So what happens is that you've got all of the numbers, real numbers, which you can reference. We've got the reference material there, and you can plug in if you, for example, using this model in Poland, you can plug in the Polish company's numbers and you can benchmark it against the South African counterparts. And what we hope to do is when you rewrite the book to put in the benchmarks for more countries like uh, in a Domin the Dominican Republic, Brazil, and so on. So a lot of effort went into this. In designing the fictitious client, again, the client is fictitious and not fictitious at the same time. We call the client the United Federated Bank of Africa. Now, if you are in South Africa, you'd figure out pretty quickly who we've modeled this client after. We've made sufficient changes so we can never be sued by them. But, um, you know, we've basically poured over their annual reports, filings, and so on, to build in all of the issues they face into this fictitious bank. Now, Michael Porter never visited this bank. Well, not that I'm aware of, but uh, we, we put in that information as part of the storyline, right? There is really a Banco Azteca, I think, somewhere in Mexico. They do outstanding microfinance work. We visited their operations as well to get a feel for how they did these things. Uh, they're not involved, as far as I know, with anyone in South Africa, but we use them in here. There's no NGO called Portlandia that I'm aware of. There are obviously NGOs doing this, but we're not allowed to name real clients, right? Uh, beyond that, you know, all of the financial information, all of the market segmentation information is real. And the market segmentation is very detailed. I mean, we segmented that market in multiple formats, you know, segmenting it by sectors, by loan sizes, by default rates, by regions. You know, we've had these detailed maps so you can see how things were being rolled out. We also put a lot more effort into building out profiles of the characters, you know. There are more characters in this book. We've got the banking executives, the investment bank who's doing the research that's going to blow the whistle on this. The South African government officials are modeled on actual government officials, obviously. Not too much details there. The engagement team is a very similar to the engagement team you've seen before. We've made a few changes to reflect how McKinsey would structure their engagement teams in a real project. We also spend a lot of time taking photographs and modeling the characters around real characters so you could get a feel for the kind of problems they faced. You know, one of the things that bothered me when I was doing the research for this book is I remember one of the analysts came back with a focus interview she had done with an government agency who said they don't understand you know, why the the um, shops that the microfinance customers were opening with the money they were borrowing were closing you know at 6 p.m. and only opening at, at 8 a.m. and you know, it's very easy for you to take that at face value but what we did is we sent a photographer into one of the townships to follow around a customer for a week and they took photographs and took annotated notes showing us the problems and I'll give you some real problems here right for one thing one of those shops is owned by a person whose children live two kilometers 
away from the closest school. She's got to get up in the morning. She's got to walk with them because it's dangerous. Wait for the school to open. When they get in, she's got to walk back. Right? She's going to take care of her husband who is unemployed and is ill. She's then got to do all of those things and then only can she open the shop. And then what happened is that during the course of the week while the photographer was there, the school closed down and the kids had to move to a school that's seven kilometers away. So she should get up even earlier, right? Put them into a taxi, go as far as she can afford, then walk the rest of the distance and come back. So that's a practical constraint. And then at night, she's got to walk further to get water so that she can prepare food, right? Now, these are the kind of constraints that if you just read data, you can't find on the ground. And our job was to go out there and collect this kind of information so that we had a very, very robust strategy. And we also then had to spend time with the employees to see the problems they faced. You know, what happened when their money was stolen, which is a very big problem. What happened when the products didn't sell? What happened when they bought fresh products and the electricity shut down? Or someone stole the cables. All of those costs of doing business were quite, you know, exorbitant. The other one is we also spent time with some equity analysts, in, well, not personally me, but some of the um, uh, associates to understand how they analyze this African market, how they analyze the banking market, and so on. Now, the Department of Trade and Industry did not grant us any access to their material when we initially did the study. Um, so that's why if you have the first version of the book, you notice that the information about the DTI is very light. But once we produced the book and they liked it so much, they did give us access to a lot of their information, which allowed us to produce a far more detailed and I think precise view into how the Department of Trade and Industry analyzes and views microfinance in the country, right? We didn't have access to any one bank when we modeled the um, um, response of the risk team at a bank, but we were able to get access to all of the banks. So we, we reached out to the microfinance teams, the loan portfolio teams at all of the big four South African banks, and they were very happy to speak to us, give us a lot of information as long as we didn't um, link the information back to them. So no issues here, right? And the other thing that we wanted to bring out is this very big disconnect between, you know, the racial tension in South Africa, which is a real issue at this point. So the design of this book is... It's, it's hard to describe just the amount of effort that went into putting this together. But I think at the end of the day, it's the most comprehensive study ever done on microfinance. I would think anywhere in the world publicly because it mirrors the most detailed McKinsey study you would get. And in some cases, we've even pushed the envelope even further. But at the end of the day, I think a corroboration and validation of the DTI was a, was a significant achievement for us. And we're very proud of this book because it laid the groundwork for all the other books we'd done. This was a massive risk for us, obviously, making this kind of investment, doing this kind of research and the you know capital outlay that involved. But at the end of the day, I'm very proud of what we've done. I think we have di directly shaped policy in that country through the efforts of this book. And because of the success of this book and because of the impact it had, it gave us confidence to make the same kind of effort in doing the you know, Mexican book on utilities, on doing the Swedish book on postal services. The Canadian book on um, uh, agriculture was an interesting one. It had a big impact, but I think that when you look at Mexico and South Africa, obviously a big impact because there was just a dearth of credible information in the market.